Can you believe just three weeks until Easter? I think about last year's Easter and how disappointing and how downtrodden it was for at least a pastor to not be with people and celebrate the resurrection as we tried to do it online and it was so disappointing and I'm so excited that we can be together this year. I'm excited if you don't know the things that are going on about the there, there will be a, around 7 a.m., there will be a sunrise service, and then we'll have breakfast shortly thereafter, and we'll have an Easter egg hunt shortly thereafter, and then at 10.30, we'll have our Easter service. So I hope that you all um, can make sure that you are going to be a part of, of those activities as we celebrate what we could not do in person last year. I also want to make sure that you are aware of a few other things, that these alabaster boxes are still up front, and you can still give to alabaster if you don't know what that is. 100% of money that you give to these boxes go to the purchase of buildings and land on the mission field. That includes the U.S., and so there is no administration fee. There is nothing. Everything you put in that box goes directly to that. And as a tradition of the Church of the Nazarene, we also usually would receive an Easter offering for missions as well. So this is building a land, but there's other things that are happening in missions, so I want you to be aware of those things that are, that are coming up very soon. I also want to make sure that you're aware that last night, and the first time in 28 years, Georgia Tech won the ACC championship in basketball. I want you to know that. And as I spent about five hours in Athens, Clark County yesterday... I almost for a moment forgot how terrible a place it was. So beautiful, actually, that on that golf course, and I was just thinking, wow, you know, I was thinking of the words uh, that are in the scripture. Can anything good come out of Athens, Clark County? <laughs> yes, yes, it's a, it was a beautiful place, even at the, I, I wore a mask not to protect other people, I just wanted to protect myself from the air. Enough, Pastor. No one's going to hear anything else now, right? I know that the crowd is against me on this, but. Anybody from the Navy here today? I know that we have Navy people who are associated with our church who, who may not be in here, but anyone from the Navy here? Yeah, so the, you, know, you know the CBs are? Part of, yeah, part of the Navy. And. And so, in part of what that that group of the of the naval uh, or the navy does is they and, they and they build. So you know, it's amazing when you think about the things that they would just go if they need something overseas or wherever they're working. They just go and they build it quickly and fast. That you know, engineers and and construction people and those type of things. It's just it's fascinating what they can do. And when you have the resources and, the, and your mind is dedicated to it, I don't know if you guys know, but they have some sayings. In particular, in World War II, that they were talking about the Seabees and said, um, it's, it's kind of a slogan, it said, if it's difficult, it takes a day or two. And if it's impossible, it's going to take a little bit longer. I think it's a great concept. If it's impossible, we're not going to say it's impossible. It may just take a little bit longer for us to, to look at that. And I think today, as we look at our own lives and the things that are going on, sometimes things seem, seem impossible. And I think it's so vitally important that just because someone said it's impossible doesn't really mean that it is. Because nothing is impossible when God is involved. That's important to remember. 
The first week of this series, uh, we talked about how life has detours and how things happen in life and not, not always what we want, sometimes of our own choosing or our own consequence, and sometimes things just happen to us, but that can never derail God's plan for us if we'll stay tuned to it and we can fulfill God's purpose. In the second week, we talked about the fact that this whole creation is groaning, including our own minds and bodies, that we're groaning for, for God to, to come and make things right because they're not right. And we can recognize that, that groaning in those painful moments are always a, a call home, that God says that you are not meant just to live the way that you are, that there is a better way, and that God will ultimately bring all things into order, and, and that's the place that we want to be. I think that's important to recognize. And this morning, we want to take a look at what it means to sometimes be caught in a comfort zone, to sometimes paralyzed by fear, and, and not being able to accomplish what God has called us to do. And with that, I would invite you to open up your scriptures to Matthew chapter 14, beginning in the 22nd verse. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in the 22nd verse. Why don't you stand as we read this together? Matthew 14, beginning in 22nd. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. You may be seated this morning. We don't really know... All the words that occurred on this night. We like to think that we have a, we do have a glimpse, but we like to think it is complete in its entirety that somehow there was a stenographer copying every word that was spoken. But that's just not the way it was. In fact, if you go back and look in Mark, Mark this story doesn't exist in the same sense that it does here in Matthew. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot that, that we could glean from by even not what's being said here. In fact, I think that in John, it tells us something. It says, if all the words of Christ were written down, perhaps even the world could not contain all the books that would be written. John 21, 25. So much there. And so, therefore, I think it's feasible for us to explore maybe something that's not written here. So there could be a little danger in that. It takes a little bit of liberty. I'm not saying that this did or didn't happen. But I think that we could, based upon what we know about human nature, deduct with regular reasoning probably something that occurred that night. I can imagine that as this was happening, Peter's friends who were in the boat said something to him. And I would imagine that at least 
half of them, maybe more, said, you are stupid. What in the world are you thinking? You're going to drown. You're going to die. We're going to be left without you as a strong leader. It just doesn't make sense. Stop it. You are so arrogant. What makes you think that you could go walk on water? What makes the, you think, what, all of these things I can imagine, and it doesn't say that said here, but I could imagine just because I've been around humans long enough, that often the people, there's a negative connotation that happens when someone is trying to be bold and step out and do something that no one's ever done before. I see some of you shaking your head. You, you kind of resonate with the idea. So I don't think it's too far stretched for us to, to think about that. And I think that recognizing that and recognizing the story of what Peter is happening with Peter, getting out of that boat, I think the one of the most clear things that we ought to recognize is this. If we're ever going to step out of the boat and if we're ever going to attempt the impossible, and I'm talking about for Jesus, not for ourselves, we need to be very careful who we listen to. I think that for the most part, the world doesn't like people who rock the boat, who do something out of the norm. We like people who reassure us and bring us into comfort. In fact, I think that's probably one of the things that was said there was, hey, it's okay, just just stay right here because this is the safe place. I think that we should not get counsel from just generic anybody that is around us in this world that we live, especially when we're living for God. I think there are lots of examples, and so that's the first thing this morning I want you to know, is that we really need to be careful and seek the advice of strong Christians who have the interest of the gospel and Jesus at heart, and not just themselves or even our own selves, but but God. Think about it for a moment. The people throughout history, and if you've been doing any of the studies with me, you know that Albert Einstein has been in the two weeks in some kind of description, so he's not in this week's video, but it is in my sermon here this week. Did you know that Albert Einstein had difficulty speaking until he was four years old? Did you know that Albert Einstein could not even read until he was seven? Now, we think, great, we want our child to read by three. You know, we want to put everything in front of them. Look how smart my child is. What, what, what would be the case if, if somehow, some way that they said, Albert Einstein's a lost, just forget him, put him over in the corner. He's, a, he's not, never going to be anything great. But he was. You know, Beethoven, believe it or not, had a music teacher who taught him some things. And they said, as a composer, he is hopeless. Do you know that Thomas Edison, when he was a young boy, his teacher said that he was so stupid, he could never learn anything. Thomas Edison was so stupid, he could never learn anything. And Walt Disney, you, there's a lot of on Walt Disney. Do you know that he was fired as a newspaper editor? Because, get this, this is, this is the reason he was fired. He had no good ideas. Can you believe that? Just a few people who, who the world would say it is impossible, just forget about them, they can never do anything. And, the, and, and if they had listened to all that criticism, what would their lives have been like? Despite all that negativism, negativism uh, despite all the criticism, 
They refused to say, I can't, I won't, and just forget about it. They said they will do what they know to do, what, what feel like it's intrinsic inside them. They're going to do it. The scriptures are not exactly void of that either. You look at Job. Look at Job. And we know from the scriptures that his best friends, the ones who had seen him blessed by God over and over, they said, just curse God and die. Because life was so difficult. Never, ever take your marching orders from detractors. Be careful who you share with and who's on your side or not on your side. Make sure that the people that you engage with each and every day have a godly perspective. Not just your own perspective, a godly perspective. And when you can have confidence in that, things are a little bit different. But here's the thing. Just because you've never done it and this doesn't mean that you ought to just, as God is beginning to call you to do something, that you ought to just go do it in your own strength. So, uh, yeah, and it's not just because someone said it's impossible doesn't mean that you ought, shouldn't be engaged in it. But at the same time, just because you feel like God is calling, you should never just do it in your own strength, saying, I got this, I know how to do it all, and just start on your own. Peter was there in that boat, and he didn't just do it on his own, did he? He didn't say, hey, there's Jesus. I think I'll just walk out there to him. Obviously, he had this burning desire to do it. But Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. And he said, come. It's so vitally important to recognize that God does work this way. That God does instill inside of you a burning desire to see something, that allow you to do something that would be outside of your comfort zone and that is the beginning point and I think often we feel that being desire and then we just kind of tamp it down and say no 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 don't do that we'll just stay in the boat where it's very comfortable if you have a burning desire to do the impossible to do the things that have never been done that you've never seen in particular in terms of of the church world or in in spiritual realm and you have this desire We need to convince ourselves we cannot do it in our own strength and our own power. Peter had a burning desire, but here's what happened. That burning desire became a step of faith when Jesus was beginning to command it. I love the idea of how gener- ideas are generated and how you begin to talk about them. You might say something, and the next thing you know, you feel like, oh, God is lining everything up, and it seems like this is exactly. But you know what? If you never talk about it, and you never actually begin to develop that idea and that concept, you never get to really see how God can work in the midst of those things. What does it really mean? And I've probably, I don't know, I won't say this is the most thing I've talked about, but I, I, I've had this alive in many sermons that, that, that have gone throughout my, my time here. This idea of what the word means from God. And you've heard this illustration more than once that there really are these two words in the Greek that are used, logos and rhema. Logos meaning this, this word that's written down in front of you, this, this scripture is is really full of logos. It's also full of rhema, but it's full of logos, meaning that you can understand and comprehend and intellectually get what is written down there. That, that is so important. It's this general knowledge of God. 
But Rhema is different. Rhema is not just exactly that. In this scripture passage here from Romans, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Greek word used is not logos, but it is rhema. rhema. For, for faith specifically comes by hearing the rhema word of God. I often give it this way, that you might read the scripture over and over and over again, the same passage, and all of a sudden, one time you read it, and God speaks so violently to you, you're like, oh my goodness, I get it. I get that God is speaking directly to me and it may be for everybody but it is for me specifically and that and in that moment that is the rhema word of God that is living inside of you that you can see and get a clear communication from God it's so much different God giving a specific person a specific word that is so alive the writer in Hebrews informs us, he says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the rhema word of God. Let me ask you this moment, uh, and I think most of us, I see the head shake when those moments come, when it's God is speaking directly to you, clearly you can understand, and it's probably not an audible word, but you've read it, and God has made it so clear to you, and you understand something like you've never understood it before, because God has been there. I would say to you, when is the last time you had a moment where you experienced that rhema word of God? Where it was truly speaking, and, and, and if it's not, I, I have to always ask myself, it's, is it because of me? Because I don't believe God has stopped speaking. Do I want to hear God? Peter said, Lord, if that's you, command me. He said, I gotta have that word, I can't live without it. He said, give it to me. When is the last time that we said, God, give me the rhema word of God? I love to study the scripture. I love to, to read it. I love to have knowledge. But I, there is not the same as when God is, uh, is connected directly to you and speaking to you. How often do we say, God, I need the rhema. Or is it more like maybe the other people in the boat who are like, do you know what you're asking for? It's a lot better back here, Peter. We're straining at the oars, it says. The world is tossing about, but this is comfortable because I know what happens here. And I can do, and I can figure out, as I said to my children, you've heard more than the best indicator of future performance is past performance. I, there's enough past performance in this boat that I don't have to figure things out. But if I get out of that boat, I don't know what's going to happen. You do know there are many commentators that say the boat is the church, don't you? And we get comfortable in the church to sit back and just row the oars. And it may be tough and it may be hard, but I am comfortable right here. But that rhema word of God may say it's time to get out and do something beyond what's capable, what the boat is capable of doing. Do not attempt the possible, impossible on your own strength. But ask God to reveal to you, look, search the scriptures, that it may come alive to you, that you may find a way where God is leading and teaching. It is so vitally important. Simon, this is something else. 
and sometimes you often miss this in the scriptures. So Simon doesn't just jump in the water. He waits, he asks for God. He says, Jesus, hey, tell me, and he he waits for that rhema. And then so many times I've missed this. The disciples are straining at the oars. The Greek word straining here has its basis in what is torturous. That it is, they are being tortured by trying to handle this. By the fourth watch, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., the disciples have been rowing and fighting this thing for six to ten hours. This is, I mean, we don't get the size and the grand scale of the lake, but ultimately, you get it. If you have been rowing for six to ten hours, it is hard, and it is fighting against this, and so it is very difficult. But I think it's so important to recognize the the ship is tossed, the waves are howling, and everything's going on, and somehow, in the midst of all the turmoil that is like chaos, somehow, Peter can hear Jesus. So loud, so the world in your mind, but somehow Peter can hear Jesus. I don't know what's happening in your life, and I don't know what you've been through, and I know some of it for all of us, but I'll never know everything. But I do know this, that is so clear in this passage of Scripture. It doesn't matter what is happening, and it doesn't matter how your life has been turned over and tossed, and how you've been beaten, and the things that you've been engaged in, or not engaged in, or been left out, or overwhelmed on. It doesn't matter. Jesus can still be heard. No storm, no turmoil, no torturous test is too great for God. No matter how dramatic the storm might be, his voice can be heard and his rhema word of God can be received. You think about David going down into the valley for Goliath. David was small, but his God, our God, was an overcomer and he was bigger. There is no storm, there is no Goliath that is too large, too powerful for our God to overcome. Be careful who you get your counsel from. Don't attempt these things in your own strength. But here's the thing, when attempting the impossible, getting out of the boat, the boat really is the church, it's also a comfort zone that is a part of us. Peter did something. The most, perhaps, important of all of these things that I'm talking to you this morning, if you don't get out of the boat, you never walk on water. Doing what seems to be impossible can never be a reality unless you get out of the boat, unless you get out of your comfort zone. Unless you do something that God is calling to do. Too many people. All the ones who call themselves Christians. Never get out of the boat. What's wrong with the boat, Pastor? The church is great. It is great. It is a place. But the church is not a place to come and just sit and be comfortable. 
We're to be like Christ. And then when I look at Christ's life, I don't see any time that he was ever just relaxing and comfortable. I never see it. He was always pouring himself out for the sake of other people. He was always doing things that no one else would do. He was always putting himself in danger for the glory of God. And somehow we, when the, the church has been created, and it is a sanctuary, there is no mistake that this place that we are in today is called a sanctuary. It is on purpose that it is a sanctuary. That we come and we can be protected. But it is not for us to stay here and this is the only place that we experience our faith. Our faith is out to getting out of the boat, to walk and go to places that no one else has ever gone. You cannot, you cannot be fully transformed into the image of Christ if you just sit in the boat. You cannot be fully transformed into the image of Christ if you just sit in the boat. It's worth saying a third time. You cannot be fully transformed into the image of Christ if you just stay in the boat. It cannot happen. It will not happen. And it is what is never what God intended. Always intended to be transformed into the image of God. And it requires a whole lot of effort and it requires receiving that rhema word of God and getting up and doing what God is calling you to do. Mm. There is no Christian faith without action. There is no Christian faith without action. And I can tell everyone on the look of faces this morning, you're all uncomfortable a little bit. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, I, as I sit back here as though as pastor is condemning you. No, I sit back and I, and I apply it to myself. Just the same as it is for you. This is tough stuff. Faith without works is dead. James 2.20 says, Without action, you have a dead faith. How many of you have a dead faith this morning? No one's going to raise their hand. But man, it's pretty scary if we let it, and we don't listen for the reign of God, and don't ask for the reign of God, and we just want to stay in the boat because the boat is comfortable and realize, oh my goodness, is my faith dead? Simon requested the Lord to command him, and the Lord gave him a simple, straightforward command. He said, come. With faith, with God leading, nothing is impossible. I want you to know that we have to get out of the boat. And I think in so many ways, COVID hit us and we longed for the boat because I think about this sanctuary perhaps being a boat and we wanted to get back in the boat. We were thrown out a little bit. But to get out of the boat, guess what? You have to take the first step. The last part of this is you can't focus on our circumstances. You know, it says that but seeing the wind, he became afraid and he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he took him and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When Simon 
requested Jesus to command him. He did not let his mind or his attitude dwell on the circumstances. He just wanted to be with God. He just wanted God to speak to him. That's all that he cared about. And then he stepped out into water and he thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? Circumstances are never going to be totally right for you to step out of the boat. They're never going to be, oh, now it's perfect. Now I can go. Now I can fulfill what God, because everything else is lined up. It's never going to be that way. There is always going to be a reason that you should not attempt to do what God is calling you to do. There will be plenty of evidence, including lots of detractors that say, don't do it. You'll be sorry. I know better than you. I've been there before. And I'm not saying there's not value in all that, but I am telling you, we have to do something. When you're attempting something, keep your eyes on Jesus. Simon does that initially, Peter. And he begins to look at these waves, and then he starts to think. Because Peter took his eyes off Jesus. As long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's fine. But when he begins to pay more attention to what the world is throwing at him, he begins to sink, and he begins to consider, oh, I'll fail. Can we learn something from this? I think so. Because I think probably many of us like to stay in the boat because there might have been a time that we tried to step out of the boat and we began to sink. And you thought, this is not what's supposed to happen. What will they all think of me now? I tried to do the right thing and now I'm failing. But look what he did. As soon as Peter began to get scared and things were, he said, God, save me. What did Jesus do? He saved him. He saved him. He said, yeah, you can't do this alone, but hey, we're here. I know hey, you failed, but it's okay. We're still going to get together. And so he comes out and he says, you're a little, your faith is not strong enough. We begin to sink. We got to say the same thing. Save me, God. We need to be a little less arrogant in our own selves saying, I thought I had it figured. I could have done this. Oh, it's all my fault. Well, sometimes it can be, but we need to recognize that it is impossible without God. We can't do enough. We can't figure out enough. It's it's got to keep our eyes on God. And thank God he saves us and he saves us continually. Now, there are a lot of people who criticize him, and I'm sure the disciples did. But you know what? He walked on water. Further than any other human in history has. Jesus walked on water and Peter walked on water. Now, I've seen other people try to attempt it. I've seen them try to do all kinds of things. They might get one step. But he did something. Because Peter acted. Because he got out of the boat. He heard the rain of God. He took the first step. So, whatever's going on, you need to make sure. Don't get counsel. Be careful with your counsel from, not just your detractors. We need to make sure that, that, that we're not trying to do the impossible that God is calling to on our own strength, but we're actually listening to God's rhema word. We need to make sure that we're not just trying to stay in the boat because it's comfortable, and you know what, I don't want to try anything else at this, at this point in my life. And we need to make sure that we're not focusing on the circumstances and how all those things will keep us from becoming and doing what we want to do. Stay focused on the calling of God. Focus on the rhema. Ask for the rhema word of God. And I really think it's what God intended us to do. 
I think by, and I always want to think by, and I think, well, you know, at the end of my life, and who knows when that will be, right? I mean, it could be tomorrow for all I know. And I think back in my life, and you will, often you want to go back and you look at things, well, they accomplished this. You did this, and, you know, that was great. But I also don't want to look back and say, you could have done this. You could have done that. You know, you were too worried about what your friends would think or financial society or just trying to just have a life of ease and comfort. That disturbs me more than anything that I could ever accomplish. And I don't want that to happen. And I hope that you don't either. I'm just reminded of those words, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. Let's live a life that is powerful. And a big thing that happens in this. We didn't mention this, but I would imagine something else happened in that boat. All those who said, don't, don't, don't. And then Peter stepped out. And guess what somebody else would have said? I could have done that. I wish I'd have done that. It becomes courageous to those around you. When they see that you are so on fire for God, they want to grab a hold of it too. And you would encourage someone else. And then we'll just leave one person in the boat. We can come back and get safety, but then we always, and I believe that is what God is calling us to, to get out of the boat, to walk on the water, to make a difference in this world. Stand with me as we are dismissed this morning. And I would encourage you to receive this blessing this morning. May the God of Peter, who led him out of the boat, lead you out to a powerful, wonderful Christian life. Go in peace, knowing that God loves you.